Hello, everybody. <laughs> Rod suggested that Karen and I go in tandem this morning, so that's what we're going to do. We have two topics to cover. I'm just going to give a very small plug for the book that we're basing the summer series on. It's called God's Stories, and it's by a guy called Andrew Wilson. Now, if you're anything like me, I struggle with chapters longer than two or three pages, right? I just got no concentration to want to spend, you know, my time spending, you know, 20-page chapters, and that's the end of the theme. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot. So this is bite-sized pieces, very, very much like a devotional. And that's why I love it very much. It's a lovely, lovely book to read. So I just wanted to recommend it to you. Karen is going to take the first bit. Uh, so Karen is going to do the ark, and then I'm going to come in and do some stuff on the temple. Okay. Right. It's a great honor to be speaking to you guys today. Um, Malcolm, you set the scene pretty well because you talked about having diligence and perseverance through the journey amongst other things. And um, Dennis has very kindly given me some space to speak about my journey. Can we just invite the Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. More of you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. A few weeks ago, we went to a wedding. Weddings are beautiful pictures of the intimacy and beauty, the love that God has for us. And it's wonderful to see the bride and groom, see all the people rejoicing. But sometimes God takes us away from all of that. He takes us out into dry places, into hard places. He takes us out into the desert. And God led the Israelites into the desert and told them to build a beautiful box made of acacia wood and gold and other very special things. He came down onto the box once a year in a cloud of glory to meet with the high priest who asked for sins to be forgiven for all the people so they could carry on as God's special chosen children. That was the old covenant. That was the picture of the presence of God being carried through the desert by his people. And now we are the presence bearers. That's exciting, isn't it? You are a presence bearer. You with a lovely smile. You, who dances, you, that's you, yes, Laura. You are a presence bearer. Because Jesus died on the cross for us, no more animal sacrifice is necessary. There's a new covenant. The temple curtain has been ripped in half, and we're all free to come into that secret place with our Heavenly Father and then go out into the world carrying that presence. God met with me in a desert too, different kind of desert from the Israelites. A few years ago, I developed glandular fever, which went post-viral, just seemed to carry on and on. And it's taken a few years to build up my strength. But during that time, it's been such a joy to find God's treasure in the secret places. 
In Isaiah 55, 3, it says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so you may know I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. I can say, as Paul wrote in Romans 8:28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. At the prayer week we had a few years ago, I was given the same scripture from Isaiah in three, twice in three days. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And this was the key to me finding the treasure in secret places. At one point I had to rest for 15 minutes out of every hour. And during the rest of the hour I wasn't doing terribly much either. But I could use that time to simply wait in God's presence. And the Lord has started me off on a wonderful journey of exploration. I say started because I'm convinced there's a whole lot more. He has refreshed me with amazing visions. He's taught me about dreams. And Josh has also helped me. When I've gone and flown too high in all this spiritual stuff, he said, go back to the Bible. So thank you, Josh, for that. <laughs> God has released me in creativity. And thank you, Leslie, and I'm sure many others will thank you for your encouragement. But through all of this, through all of these things, I have learned so much about the intimacy and love and beauty of God's healing presence. How do we go deeper with God? We need to learn to host the presence, as Bill Johnson puts it. We need to copy Brother Lawrence way back in the 1600s who wrote letters on practicing the presence of God. I love the example of the family at Bethany. We need to be all three of them, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Together they hosted the presence in a wonderful way. Lazarus welcomed Jesus into his home. And we can do that intentionally with every aspect of our life, every day of the week. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened. There are no rules, just tools for being in God's presence. We can't say we have to do this, we can't do this. The Bible is our awesome handbook. The words can be sung, painted, danced, prayed into, meditated on. Feed on the word. It is our spiritual food. I have explored journaling, and I know the Create Group made journals last week, so speak to Kath or Leslie if you want to make your own journal. It's a wonderful way of recording what God is saying to you and going back over that. I've got a terrible memory, so a journal is so important. I've explored soaking, resting, and listening to music. Where's Johnny? Johnny and Esme make CDs of amazing music. Speak to them if you want to get some soaking music specially composed for you to enter into the presence of God while you're just lying and relaxing and focusing on him. I've practiced fasting, which is an awesome way to bring clarity to your spiritual eyesight and make your hearing so much clearer. And I've actually seen how corporate fasting works in a church in South Africa where barren women have fallen pregnant and given birth to lovely babies. And my own grandfather brought back to the Lord after years away through a week of steady corporate fasting. 
During this time, I've been so inspired by the beauty of God's creation in the secret place. I've been so encouraged as well by those who've walked through me and prayed with me because we are presence bearers together, just as those, the Ark of the Covenant had priests along each side. We carry the presence together, and it is richer when we come together. So thank you to all of you who've walked through this time with me. Or you can just forget all these things and just sit and enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. Raj spoke about the one thing mentioned in Psalm 27. One thing I ask from the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Using the New Living Translation in Luke 10, Jesus said about Mary, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. She had discovered just sitting at his feet and adoring him. And Martha, wonderful Martha, as I drove down Martin Road last Thursday, I saw a beautiful truck all decorated in blue with silver writing, and it caught my attention because all this was the only writing on it. Seven-day breakdown service. I had a feeling somehow it related to this morning, but it wasn't clear at first. Then I realized the Ark of the Covenant was a seven-day breakdown service. God was there every minute of every day supplying the needs of his people, food, water, clothes that didn't wear out. He supplied it in the way only God could, similar to Martha, but she was a bit more stressed. But the Ark of the Covenant was more than just a supplier of daily needs. Are we content with God just feeding and clothing us, or do we want more? When we come to the story of Jericho, the ark becomes a seven-day breakdown service. A seven-day breakdown service. It took seven days for those walls to fall down. It would usually take months for an ancient city to be defeated. The attacking tribes would starve the people out, build fires under their walls, build huge structures. But God's powerful presence, carried by the Israelites, defeated Jericho in just seven days, breaking down the walls. And we carry the same powerful presence of God. When we give him time, when we give him space, when we obey him, he works in supernatural ways. When we have sat at the feet of Jesus, we are changed to serve in his power. Our love is his love. Our joy is his joy. Our timing and energy are rooted in him. And we go out in power to break down the walls of the enemy on side. We go out to set the captives free and release blessing because we are carriers of the presence of the Most High God. Bless you. Last night, our kids, two kids are at, uh, at New Day. Josh came back a little bit early and he said, Dad, I'm going out for a movie. But he didn't know I was really happy to drive him there. Karen and I had a date last night and I said to her, we're 24 years married this year, and it feels like, you know, a real landmark for some reason. I feel like, yeah, you know, that's great. So I said to her, thank you very much for saying yes. 
24 years ago. It's been wonderful. Isn't she a wonderful woman? <laughs> Most importantly, this year, I am 40 years a Christian. This year. Isn't that amazing? I got saved in 1976 at the age of 11 years old. And um, just before I, I rush into really what I want to say, I just want to honor this book. And I just want to take you through some of the thoughts in this book first. It just requires a bit that I mess with your mind to start with, right? So I've had my views changed on, on, uh, on, on, a, on a bit of scripture that I thought I understood. And I think as Christians, we need to learn to be saying, hey God, change my views at times, because I've learned as I've grown along that actually I haven't understood everything. So I want to make a statement that's a little bit controversial. It comes directly from the book. It's this, in the beginning, listen to this, in the beginning was the temple, right? In the beginning was the temple. Now you might think, I'm mad, and I thought this guy's lost his marbles. But in fact, just think about it. In the beginning, God made a garden. What are temples about? You know, the Temple of Solomon only turned up thousands of years after the creation of, the, of, this, earth, of, this, of this earth, right? The story of Genesis 1 to 3. Thousands of years after that, this, this temple of Solomon turns up, right? So how could that be the temple? In creation, and in creation the issue is this, in the Garden of Eden, what was the temple about? The temple was about the presence of God. You see, so in the Garden there was something else. There was cherubim guarding the presence of God. In the same way, there was a God of cherubim for the presence of God in Solomon's temple. The temple in Genesis had um, somebody to tend and work it, a priest, if you like, called Adam. The Levites were the priests of Solomon's temple. I could carry on and on. In fact, if you look at the decoration on the actual temple, in Solomon's temple, a lot of it refers directly back to the Garden of Eden. In the beginning was the temple. Uh, this really changed my mind about what Genesis 1 to 3 really, really mean. It's a beautiful, beautiful account. But it's theological, isn't it? It tells you about God. God wanting to dwell with us. His presence with us. It's really changed, changed my mind uh, about what Genesis 1 to 3 really mean. It's beautiful. So I'm going to read to you some scripture. No, don't worry. If you look, most Christians, when I became a Christian 40 years ago, the first book of the Bible they read was Revelation. And the reason is they wanted to know who won. Right? Who's the winner in this battle? Go to Revelation and have a look. It's Jesus, right? And so in Revelation 22, 1 to 5, this is the imagery used by God to describe heaven, right? The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great streets of the, throne, uh, of the city. On each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer would there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in, that, in the city and the servants will serve Him. Do you see? The sort of same sort of illustration. 
in the Garden of Eden, there was a river flowing through it. And here, from the presence of God, come, uh, comes a river. Um, there are people serving him. They will see his face, and his names will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Wow. So at the very end, we've got another garden, another temple, if you like, where God dwells. It's really beautiful to notice that out of that comes a stream of living water. So today, the obvious thing, and Karen's already said it, who is God's temple? Well, again, there's two things, and I just want you to bear in mind, the temple of God is us as individual believers, but it's also beyond that, is a corporate sense, is that the temple is also the church. Both are valid, right? Um, I'm just going to ask you to declare something with me, right? In terms of the church, just say after me, it's all about the presence of God. Let's say that together. It's all about the presence of God. In terms of you, right, in your life, let's say it together. It's all about the presence of God. Wow. You are all about the presence of God. Let me put it to you this way. I was reading 1 Kings 5 and, and 6 uh, earlier on, and, and the temple in Solomon's day was described, and it's, um, it's beautiful. But it's just a building without the Holy Spirit. Without, and there's many beautiful buildings walking around without God in them. Every building, every temple desires to be filled with the deity. And if you do not fill yourself with God, the Holy Spirit, right, you become open to be filled with other things, whether it's every ism in this world. Always, Karen and I laugh, when we first moved to Germany, we realized materialism wasn't it, you know, because you, all your possessions fit in one truck. It's, it's scary, right? Is that your life? Really? Is there something more to life? And inside the heart of every man and woman is a God-shaped hole. It's never satisfied until God comes and dwells in us. People put different things in there. I mean, I remember at Cambridge when, when we were studying, we had a student home group and this guy came along and I said to him, oh, um, are you a Christian? He said, oh, of course, I'm English. I was <laughs> completely stunned. And uh, this guy's name was Paul. Paul had an incredible gift of being able to eat and finish off all our Nutella and bread and stay rake thin. He was incredible. After he became a Christian, you know, he started to really have a powerful gift from the Holy Spirit. And he just was so wonderfully saved. If you put, culture doesn't fit in that space. God wants to come and dwell in you. So you'd be pleased to know I'm actually moving to my second page. And I only have two pages. Woo! <laughs> Raj encouraged me to tell stories. And so I want to tell you the story. Forty years ago... Um, I started looking for God completely independently. I was at a, at a particular religious school and that, where they were encouraging me to become a priest and I was having none of it. So being of scientific bent, although I didn't recognize at that stage, I decided I'd go to the church building every day for seven days and try and find God. At the end of seven days, on the very, very last day, I concluded that God didn't exist. And if God did, he had long since departed, right? There were statues and paintings and everything, but there wasn't any reality. That was me at the age of 10. I could figure out that there was something missing. Right? A very little while later, my brother said, 
Uh, and, and by the way, this particular region became our backup plan, just in case God did exist. I've got it, you know. So, um, my brother went to a meeting with his girlfriend and they saw somebody healed in front of them. And we, I'm, a, I'm, from, I'm number seven of eight kids. We used to have these, this big table with a spinning center around in the middle where we'd sort of juggle the food um, and share it around all of us. And uh, we'd have discussions about life and solve the world's problems. So, at this one day, we said, here's somebody healed. And my dad said, impossible. It didn't happen on Sunday. It can't be God. God only moves on Sunday. That was his view. We had no clue what was going on. But my dad said, let's go and have a look. And this was a Tuesday night, right? And on a Tuesday night was prayer meeting night. And South Africa was in real trouble. And we were, we were praying, uh, if my people who are called by my, my name humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. Wow. So my dad, they just were praying. They were praying for political change in South Africa. And he came home and he said to our family, it doesn't matter what it costs me. I want what these people have got. Wow. So, six of the eight children got saved, including me. I was stubborn, right? I sat on the fence. I defined how to kind of finesse things for a year, right? And uh, I saw my parents change completely out of all a recollection. I just, I just, actually at one stage I thought aliens had taken my parents and replaced them with robots. They were so different. I, was, I had all these fantasies. I thought, well, what on earth is going on with my mom and dad? They literally glowed. They were, they were just, it was amazing. And so um, I got to the stage where um, my brother invited me to his new church, which was called the Invisible Church. And there, it was a Friday night, um, God had organized this guy, Grant. Grant, I don't even know his surname. He's just called Grant in my memory. He spoke. And he stood up for about 10 minutes and he, he, after about one minute, I was, I was rooted to the spot. I was sitting in a chair and I couldn't move. I was, I was stuck like glue. And the next minute, everybody around me disappeared. And there I was in the scene he was describing. And what he said was, um, Jesus was on the cross and on either side of him were two thieves. And the one thief said, mockingly to Jesus, you know, get me off the cross if you really are who you say you are, you know. And, and the thing about this world, that everybody loves mocking, right? We know better than you. We've got science. We've got this, you know. And the thief on the other side, he, he could have chosen any attitude to have, but he didn't choose mockery anything. He just said this, help. The most effective prayer in the Christian life is this one called help. And then Grant said something that changed my life forever. He said, he said this question, which side of the cross are you on? And for the first time I had to face the fact that I had to choose. You see, it's a choice, which side of the cross are you on? You can mock Jesus, you can dismiss Jesus, or you can ask for help. And that day I asked for help. And I became not just a temple, well designed, with lots of beautiful things in it, but I became a temple of the Holy Spirit. My life changed, boy. I got baptized. I got baptized on the seas. It was a wonderful experience. They used to wait for a wave to come and then dunk you and pull you out, right? So, you know, you'd come out with sand in your mouth, but you'd baptize, you know, properly immersed, we believed. So, after that, my Christian life, I mean, I was a bit of a slow developer, but about a year later, they said, oh, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
So I asked my mom what that was, and she explained that they'd asked her, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And before she could say boo to a goose, she was speaking in tongues. It was like, oh, that's what it is. Yes, I'll have some of that. So I got prayed for, and nothing happened. It felt absolutely, yeah, prayed for, that's great. And I was washing dishes about a week later, because dishwashers weren't invented in my day, and... uh, and I was tall enough to sort of reach above the, the sink that made me, you know, the dishwasher number one in our family, and I, and, I, and I started speaking in tongues. And it really amazed me. So I thought, well, this is really wonderful. I'll keep doing that. So I, started, I joined a youth group, and, um, and my faith started to grow. And at one time, you know, we, we were having a youth group meeting, and a, and a grumpy uh, supervisor came and kicked us out. He said, not having none of you in here. And so... I went away and, I, and we, in a group of us we prayed together and said um, you know, we're praying, oh Lord please change his mind or whatever and I started praying in tongues my heart was, Lord please zap him just give this guy, you know I'm a son of thunder right, so I, I've got none of this halfway house stuff, be gentle and kind, it's like you know, Lord please bring somebody else who's more senior than him or whatever but I was praying in tongues and there were two girls there who said this do you know you're speaking French and I said I absolutely cannot speak French. And they said to me, you know what you're saying? You're saying John 3.16. We just learned it today in French. And you're saying this other scripture, which I can't remember. We just learned that today in French as well. I was completely stunned. Now for me, I thought, wow, okay, God, if you want to do that, that's fine. But for them it was a sign. You see, because they were, um, I don't know what to call it, religiousized, if you want to call it. They were on a journey towards salvation. If A is the beginning of your journey and S and the alphabet is the, is the end, they were somewhere in between. And for them, it was a sign about being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And out of it, you see, when you're baptized, out of this temple comes rivers of living water. It touches people. And so this is what was starting to change in me. And another story quickly about being full of the Holy Spirit, right? So this friend of mine, he was slightly more action-oriented than me. I was slightly sort of reticent still, being a late developer is my excuse. Um, he, he said, right, Dennis, we're going to go out to the beachfront and we're going to start doing some evangelism. So we got there and we prayed, as you do. And um, his name was John, and John Kenny, actually, the same as John, but not this one, another John Kenny. And uh, he said to me, um, do you see a picture? Because he knew I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, yeah, I see a girl. And I described her to him, her to him and, and I wasn't going to do anything because I could see the headlines boy sees picture of girl, you know, it wasn't really good. So I was thinking, oh, we'll just dismiss that, we'll just ignore it, you know, and, and, but he said, no, 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 we've got to go. And then we prayed again, and there was like a sense of urgency. So we ran along to the edge of the, uh, the beachfront area, and there we found a girl who looked exactly like that, and she was in the process of trying to commit suicide, which was absolutely amazing. So I graciously left him to fish her out of the water, and um, John and I, that we prayed for her, and and just, just introduced her to the love of God. It was wonderful. And so this is what happens when you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not just a temple, but a temple of the Holy Spirit. God starts to flow out of you. I just want to share one more story. I've got loads more to share. I'm, we're running out of time. But we were at Bible College together, Karen and I, and we... Um, there is an issue around the temple and the outflowing of the Holy Spirit that relates to spiritual warfare. And I've recently been relieved of this, uh, the need to do, you know, kung fu with the devil. You don't have to, right? It's all about God. And in fact, when you come as a presence bearer of the Holy Spirit, 
Um, it does, I, you know, I was having at that stage another a, a theological crisis about whether you should say in the name of Jesus after you pray or in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, that might not seem a big thing to you, but I just realized that a lot of Spanish people were called Jesus. And I wasn't going to pray in their name. I was going to have, you know, the right Jesus. But I, we would, we'd go to this village um, and um, we pray for people. And as I shared, if, you have, if you've heard the story, I'm, I apologize, but I think it's a lovely story. We pray for people who would come up to the front and they would just leave. You, I hadn't the chance to say in Jesus' name or in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I would just go, oh God, and they would leave. And I asked the, the translator, why, why were they doing that? And the answer was because they were already healed. And you know, today in the UK, we're seeing a lot of things like that happen around words of knowledge. When somebody gets a, words of no, a word of knowledge, it's not uncommon for that person to be healed even before you can pray for them. This is in the UK. Do you know that's amazing? God is doing amazing things. And what does that say? It's all about the presence of God. That's why I got you to say it. It's not about you. I mean, if you don't have to shout. You just bring the presence of God. And the enemy is a defeated enemy. He's gone. At the same place, there was a witch doctor. And I promise you, in Af- you know, you want more of the sun. The problem when you get more of the sun is you run into the shade. Right? So we ran into the shade of a tree. And the witch doctor came walking. And, and I promise you, when she was 20 meters away, she started crawling on the ground and manifesting demonically. 20 meters beyond us, and she was fine. She walked on. Did, did somebody go in Jesus' name? No. We didn't even know she was the witch doctor. This is just, it's, about, it's all about the presence of God in us. It's not about us. I'm going to take a liberty and go one more minute, one more story, right? Um, I just want to share, it's actually, um, Um, Josh got sick again in his, G- in his GCSE year. Because it's all about the presence of God, the first time he'd got sick, God had really taught me to listen to him and not negotiate or discuss with fear. And I want to share that with you as a kind of testimony of what happens in my life, from salvation to baptism in the Holy Spirit, to doing things for God I couldn't do. You know, sometimes I've had words and I couldn't find that person. I have an L plate on the, my back, right? I do. It doesn't happen all the time that you you find the right person you get a a word about. So please don't have that that perception. But in this case, God had said to me, don't worry about Josh in the last time. And then Josh started getting sick. He could only work for three hours a day just before his GCSEs. I was as mad as as hatter. I was like, (laughs) you know? But he passed it and he did really well in his GCSEs. God made a way for him. And at the end of his prom, he made it to his prom and he was fine. And all the time there was this discussion, is this going to be three years? Is it going to be five years? I was, I was not prepared to engage in a discussion with that. And I just want to encourage you today, whatever the issue is that, is that you think looms large in your life, please don't have a discussion with it. As a man thinks in himself, so he is, right? Don't think in yourself. Don't engage with fear, with any lie. You see, fear is just a lie of the enemy. It's the inverse of faith. And there are many forms of lies that people engage with. And I think we've had an issue where the the people in this church have been set free from engaging in lies. Don't engage in them. You don't have to. God is bigger than you. It's all about the presence of God. Okay, guys, that's me. What what I wanted to do is just um, offer people the chance. You see, it's not about me. Right? It's not about Paul bringing a word. It's not about um, anybody bringing scripture or 
it's just about God this morning, right? So please don't be self-conscious. If you want prayer for healing, there's a number of things that I just love to pray. You know, we can end the meeting and then come, come and get prayed for, for healing, right? I just feel there may be people with the following, right? Um, a knee problem, a, 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 you know, there's something with the back, a migraine, eyes, or something with ears. Those are the ones I've got. doesn't matter if I haven't got you. Please bear in mind, that it just come in, if you want to have prayer for some issue of healing, please come to the front. It's not about any of us, right? It's about God. And lastly, I just want to say the most important thing is you cannot be a Christian today just by coming to church every day. I tried it. Right? I went into a church every day. You know, it's like putting yourself in a garage and living in a garage. You don't become a car. You may smell like engine oil, but you're still not a car. Right? You can live in a church. You do not become a Christian. It's all about presence. You need to have an encounter with Jesus to be a Christian. Do you know the word being born again? I've watched three children of mine being born. If you're born again, it's experiential. It's not theological. It's experiential. See, in my, in my past story, it's this. I used to look at the Bible and Acts and the New Testament and read what had happened to me. I didn't read it first and then it happened to me. It happened to me. I thought, wow, it, look, it's in the Bible. I got really excited. God, it's, it, being born again is clearly an experience. You need to have a time in your life where you say, yeah, I've come to the end of my journey. And so my question for you today is this. Have you actually crossed the line? Have you, have, you got, have you taken yourself across the line and said, yeah? My son, my youngest son, went up for an altar call at New Day, which I'm really proud of. I don't care if he goes up for 10 more, right? At some point in time, it'll be enough. He'll know it. He'll have that assurance in his heart. And so that's my question for you. Where are you? Okay, I'm done. I think we're going to move on, but please come. Thank you very much.